0: We are.
1: my friends, to the InObscuria podcast, a podcast where we exhume obscure rock and punk and metal, and we put them in one of three categories, the lost, the forgotten, or the should-have-beens. My name is Kevin Williams, and today, sitting across from me, none other than Mr. Robert Harrison. Hi! <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm good, man. I've, I've got no screen on my mic. So yeah, you're going unprotected. If it's poppy... Poppy, that's This episode
2: why. is, I'm, I'm, I'm still protected. I'm still a little bit nervous about my popping, so I don't want to pop. So we are on
1: episode 45. This is kind of a landmark. What do we way. do when we get to 50? Do we have a party? Is that? I mean, it's a good excuse to have a party anyway. I think we should. We should definitely crack some beers. Cookout. Oh, way we do that every. Oh, that's every true. Week.
2: That's, that's every yeah every week. But maybe cook out or something. We should do that. Or maybe we have a guest. Ooh, maybe we should a have guest. a
1: special guest. It has to be 50. special
2: guest, not just somebody that's guest. walking down the
1: street, my neighbors or something. Hey,
2: Spicoli, who lives across the street.
1: They could. You know who would be special? Who'd be You've sp- talked about her before. She was in a rat video. Oh yeah, that might be special enough for an episode yeah.
2: fifty. My my neighbor down the street who was in a rap
1: video. I mean, how many people can claim I, that they've been in a rap video and that they were one of the chicks in a rap video? About thirty
2: five. I, I can mean, say chicks because yeah. at that point at that, in time we're they were Referring back to the eighties, yeah, yes. back in the day, they were chicks. Right, they're women of uh, women, of scantily reputable clad con- yes,
1: in videos, in yes. rock videos. So we can call them that. So. All the haters out there. All those women that listen to this podcast. Yes. I mean, they are just... All both of there's them. There's so many of them. <laughs> Hi, Mom. <laughs> exactly. Hi, cousin, or whatever.
2: No, I don't think I've got any relatives that listen to this, thank God. And uh, the friends that do listen to are very understanding. They understand that, you know, we're not... Millennials, we're past that, and we're not as PC as a lot of my friends are that worry about every little thing. So,
1: Oh, good. I yeah. forgot we have that going for yes, us. Yes, we can say whatever we want. So we, we can want. say whatever we yeah. want. That's right. We're crotchety old people now. Exactly. Nice. Bye-bye. So I just have to call myself out. We've been recording now for 45 episodes. 45 as episodes. I said. And I have been plugging this one cable in that goes... As a splitter, and it goes to my USB here at the computer that I'm using to record. And I thought it was doing something, and I unplugged it today by mistake and realized that that cord was never doing anything.
2: Nothing. All of that work. If you add up all the time, you plug that thing times in and unplugged unplugged it. thing in. You wound the cable up nice and neatly and put it away. That equals an entire
1: podcast. That's what kind of professional podcast you guys are dealing with here. Yes. Nothing but the best. We right. We
2: have extra cables we don't even need. Just to make sure this is a quality podcast.
1: Exactly. Oh, man, I'm drinking a little beer tonight. What, what flavor are
2: you drinking today? What, who's our sponsor? It's Dead Guy L, Rogue. Dead Guy L. I'm drinking really water. I, stuff. I had a margarita with dinner about an hour ago, and I'm pretty good. It was a re- uh, reasonable sized
1: margarita. I'm just going to say that. Did you have Mexican food, or was this just. No, I cooked dinner for a friend. For, friend okay.
2: Kristen came over, cooked dinner for her, and uh, she made margaritas
1: while I was cooking. It was pretty mm-hmm. epic. What time was this dinner? Because I, I don't remember. Maybe I didn't check my text. You know what? I'm sorry. Oh, man. You, I'm sorry I didn't make it. You missed her by about 30.
2: As you were pulling in, she was literally leaving. Hey, no. I, I thought she would. Yeah. When you texted, you're on the way. I'm like, oh, good. Thanks for the heads up, man. Cool. Get out. You got to <laughs> get, get out. out. Get out. Go, go, go.
1: Well, hey, what else has been going on with you this week?
2: Dealing with the effects of a Hurricane Sally, my brother-in-law and sister down in South Alabama lost 10 out of 12 trees in their yard last night. Ooh. Two giant oak trees ended up in their pool. So I probably have a future with some chainsaws headed down there to help them out whenever it stops raining. So wish me all the best to come back with all my fingers and toes uh, after take playing your, with a chainsaw for two days. Take your flamethrowers as well. You can just char yeah. Them once we cut, cut them up, them. yeah, we'll just torch them. I'll, I'll pick the best one. I mean, I've got four to choose from, but you know, we'll, we'll figure out the best vintage flamethrower for that one. Nice. Classic flamethrower. Nice. It's South Alabama. It's legal.
1: <laughs> hey, after you listen to us, go listen to Growing Up Rock, the Slamfest Podcast, Pod of Thunder, Decibel Geek, Metal Up Your Podcast, Dummy Room Podcast, Rock City Cobras and Fire, Rock Strikes Ten, History Science Theater, The Kiss Room, The Synaptic Empire. And Monty's Rockcast. Don't ask me who Monty is. Who That guy? <laughs> that guy. <laughs> that guy again. Just kidding, Monty. I know who you are. Yeah, I'm sure he's listening.
2: If you came over to my house and knocked on the door, I would open the door and go, What is up, Monty? How are you, sir? Galact- that's, that's how well I know you.
1: Galactic Cowboys?
2: Yeah. That, that- okay,
1: jogging? Okay. Oh, yeah. All right, cool. Also, come visit us in Obscuria.com. Like us, share us, recommend us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please... Leave us a review on iTunes.
2: Let us know you're out there.
1: Yeah. Let us know what you think. Tell us what we should do and should not do. We're not going to listen, but you can tell us. I think it'd be cool. Give us beer recommendations. That would work, too. Or tequila or bourbon. I don't, I'm open to all those. Oh, man. So, let's see. Last week, we talked about bands made by Metallica. Before that, we had Captain Ryan. We've had some pretty amazing weeks. We've been all over the map, literally. Yeah, we, we literally have. And I, I have a feeling we're going to travel again.
2: Oh, yeah. I can't wait. I, my bags are just, still
1: packed. I'm good, ready to go. Good. got my passport. We're, actually, I think we're going to go back somewhere we've been before. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because once again, I was meditating as I do in my very zen-like crypt down in my basement.
2: Chris calls applesauce on the floor with Absolutely. some candles around.
1: Yeah, sitting in the middle of a pentagram. Yes, As one does You know Most Every day I know you pissed your wife off For carving that in your carpet Well I burned it Burned it in the carpet (laughs) I burned it in So it's fine It's a conversation
2: piece When the the
1: neighbors come over When
2: when your in-laws come over You just put the throw rug Over top of it Like I don't know What's under there
1: Those aren't sixes Those are nines Nines They're nines Depends on which way You look at them But anyway I was meditating And trying to think about What are we going to talk about Oh spirits Tell me what And I started hearing Something again And it sounded familiar I think we've heard this before actually looked out the window when he started playing it. I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> playing it, that came out of my brain.
2: God, that was perfect Tommy. The wind picked up outside and you started playing that.
1: That was <laughs> awesome. Do you happen to remember what that sound means? I don't remember what I had for lunch yesterday, but oh know, my, my brain's a little fried from like, All right. certain things. Well, g- well, good. It's a surprise then. Everything's a surprise. I love it. So in episode 37. <laughs> let me oh, just, that one. Let yes. me just remind you, episode 37, we went to Wales. That was the oh, sound right. of Yeah, the, the, w- the Waelish people. Yes, the Waelish. So episode 37, it was called Grave Mistake. Manic Street Preachers should have been huge. Yes, yes. But that was part one. Oh. And we mentioned that we had enough releases after where we stopped off to go through a a whole other episode. And that's where we are today.
2: And just to refresh everybody's memory, including mine, this is when the guide... Supposedly jumped off the bridge Yes and, But we don't know for sure yes. There's theories out there There's That's no right. evidence That's right He could be living in Richie Nashville
1: Richie I think he's living at Graceland With Elvis But he may not be That's right Yes Richie Edwards disappeared Now I'll give a little back history So okay. we can get our, get our right. heads just back make into sure it. Once again you know, yeah. Make sure I'm on the same page If you listen to episode 37 You'll know that Maddox Street Preachers Are a Welsh band Formed in 1986 By Cousins James Dean Bradfield And Sean Moore on the drums And they added Nicky Wire on the bass in 88. And then some short time later, they got a guitarist who was really not a guitarist, but he was a good lyric writer and he was kind of their muse and and really inspired them to write songs. A guy by the name of Richie Edwards. And we also, in episode 37, said, there's a disclaimer here. And we actually had a lot of shares when that episode came out to folks in the UK, Mm. which was amazing. But this band is huge in the UK. Big, 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 big. For some reason... We knew nothing of them here and we got still one, do one not. Song and barely. Did,
2: it barely. Did not get much radio play. Saw it on a couple of specials, but that's it.
1: Yeah, barely. I don't think you knew of them without the CD that I no, gave you.
2: No, I, I would not have known about them. That goes for a lot of bands, though. You've introduced
1: me to a lot of good music. Yeah. But we're talking about a band in the UK that has won 11 NME Awards, 8 Q Awards four brit awards which is like their grammys Mm. okay so think of an artist in in the united states who's won four grammys that you've never heard of there there really aren't any Mm. probably they've been nominated for the mercury prize twice which is kind of the the best uk album they're on the list of top 20 albums ever in the uk Mm. it's astounding that we do not know who they are here in the states but there's only a select few number of people that do they came onto my radar in 1998 when I traveled to the UK and Europe for a few weeks. And I, at the time I traveled there, they had one of their biggest albums. And I saw the posters everywhere. And I was tortured, slightly tortured, by some kid who was listening to the same song over. Over, and over and over and over on an overnight trip to Scotland. But it at least got into my brain enough that I wanted to go buy the album when I got home. And when I got home, I had a hard time finding it. So I had to order it online which at that time in 1998 was not the easiest thing to do.
2: No, it was more of a process. Did you, like, they have credit card systems? And I don't even remember back then. Mm -hmm. There was no PayPal
1: yet? Yeah, it was before Amazon had really got, they were just doing books, I believe, at that time. Yeah. And so it was a company that, I can't remember the name of it, it was Disc something or more, I don't remember what it was called, but it was a service uh, that Amazon eventually bought and that's what gave them their entry into um, music and selling music. But anyway, that's where I ordered it from. I just remember it was it was an ordeal because, it, you know, everybody was scared to put any kind of credit card information oh, no. You'd on think the it web. It
2: went straight to Nigeria and came back. Fifty
1: million times, which it did, because I kept getting calls from princes. Lots of, know, princes. of, lots of yeah, hey man, yeah, I you got, got a prince that lots of opportunities. Wants to give you money. If I just give them forty grand, they would turn it into a billion mm-hmm. or something like that. Anyway, so in the first episode, we covered their first six albums, and we went over the whole history of of those albums and the band through the years of uh, ninety one to two thousand one. And we mentioned that the the biggest, the oddest thing, I guess, for us as Americans is at the time when we got Oasis muse coldplay arctic monkeys blur verve travis snow patrol keen all of these uk bands mm-hmm. had hits here we know their names but we don't know manic street preachers Mm-mm. so so bizarre going back to what you were saying earlier the other piece of this history is i mentioned richie edwards was a, a key component of the band he was a one of the two main songwriters as far as lyrics goes and on february 1st 1995 he missed his flight for a, a u.s promotional tour and they never saw the guy again. And there's lots of people saying, oh, you know, there's lots of sightings all around the world mm-hmm. over over years, years of time. But what we think happened is he committed suicide, possibly. Mm-hmm. Don't know. In 2008, 13 years after his disappearance, he was officially presumed dead. And that will come back up again as we go through these songs today. All right. All right. So just to get us back in the mind frame of what we were doing in episode 37, I thought we could start with something we did not play from the first time with the original foursome because they became a trio after the disappearance of Richie. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to play something from their very first EP. We started in 1991 before. We're going to start today's episode in 1990. This is the very first EP that they ever put out. And we're going to play the, the main song from the EP. The EP is called New Art Riot. And we're going to play that song. And it was the first release to feature the four members of the band. And this gave them a lot of media coverage at the time, but it didn't really equate to major success as far as sales or anything like that. So this was not the beginning of their domination in the UK. But originally, the, the vinyls for this, they only ran a thousand of them. I can only imagine how much that vinyl goes for today. It's, yeah, with all the fans they have in the UK. We're going to play New Art Riot. <laughs>
2: that, my friends, is just good old-fashioned straight-ahead rock and roll. A little bit of, of a punk flair to it. Exactly. And I think half of it's just because they have British accents, and all of our punk rock bands fake a British accent when they sing. So <laughs> For the most part. For yeah, you're right. For the most part. Right. <laughs> if it's they're a, trying to be traditional. If they're trying to yeah. be, yeah, for some reason. But, yeah, these guys aren't trying to be anything, yeah. and they come across as, you know. Yeah. Uh,
1: Green Day, Rancid. Exactly. Yeah. They're from San Francisco. But all the
2: guitar tone, it, it was just perfect. It wasn't overpowering. It was, it was heavy enough, but it wasn't metal-ish. It's, it didn't cross that line, but it just yeah. I'm, I'm guessing it's playing through a pretty cool British amp that I, I can't afford. These Who knows? Days. A high watt, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly.
1: Whatever Pete Townsend used. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can tell it's a, a band that's finding their way. I mean, his voice is so different in yeah. that from anything we're going to hear after this, because we're going to jump to 2004 after this. I think
2: we talked about it on the, the first episode how you get this evolution of a band that starts off, and a lot of bands, including ours, it just... You know, I wanted to write some just balls of the wall rock and roll music, loud and have fun. And it, it, they came across. It's kind of like that. And then eventually we grew musically and as a four piece, we grew even more. And they became more and intricate. You know, not ever really progressive, but still, we we just you know just like they did. They started off real straightforward with just rock, and then their songs got more complicated as they went on.
1: Yeah, and I, you can probably tell these guys were huge Clash fans. They were trying to take the formula that The Clash used early in their career, which was it's not as much about the music per se. It's more about how you present it mm-hmm. and what you're trying to hype with it and what you're trying, to, what statement you're trying to make. And that's what they were doing out the gate. And we talked about their first album in 91. They embraced a little more of what was going on at the time probably because of the producer. Mm-hmm. So they had a little bit of what we just heard mixed with the little Guns and Roses and what was going on in 1991. But Yeah, I mean, this is them doing The Clash Mm. to me. And even even the album title, New Art Riot. I mean, I could hear that as a Clash album title or song. Mm. So if you remember, where we left off was at the album called Know Your Enemy, which came out in 2001. And it was a transitional album for them. They were trying to get back to their roots just a little bit of what we just heard Mm. from having two albums after Richie's disappearance of being a trio and really just getting huge success and having a number one in the UK and even in Europe. So they had all this massive success. Their songs got a little bit more polished. And I remember you said you loved them. I mean, they were just... Because they they had a whole lot of texture to them, a lot of uh, orchestration and huge guitars on top of the orchestration and great songwriting. And then with the last song that we played last time, that album, they were... Trying to get, trying to hold back a little bit and mm-hmm. get back to their roots. Well, where we're going to start today is them going all the way back to embracing kind of the Britpop of the time. So this is 2004 when this next album came out. It was the first album since 2001's Know Your Enemy, so a little bit of time in between. And they used renowned David Bowie producer Tony Visconti for this album. And it comes off as a very subtle, melodic melancholic kind of album. There's a lot more keyboards, a lot more orchestrations and synths in it, Mm. but this is probably my least favorite album by the band because I felt like it was a little too mellow, a little too adult contemporary almost, Mm. if you could say that. But you listen to it and and tell me what you think. I mean, if we think back to 2004, I remember Coldplay having a whole lot of songs that were kind of in this realm as well, and Mm. they were doing great on this side of the pond as well as on the other side of the pond. So I don't know if that's what they were going for or if they were just really still dealing with their grief because at this time I think they're starting to realize Richie's gone. Mm. You know, this guy's never coming back. And so I think, I know for a fact they were, a lot of the themes were dealing with solitude and ghost And, you know, I think it's them coping because they've just been on this really, really hurried pace mm. as the trio for three albums. And then I think they held back a little bit, waited a little bit of time and put this one out. So I'm actually going to play the last, I believe this is the last song on the album, but it's very orchestrated. But for some reason, this is the one song that I just really love off mm. of this album. It's called Cardiff Afterlife. So they're from Cardiff Wells. So this is called Cardiff Afterlight, And the album only peaked um, at number 13 in the UK album chart. So this is the least commercially successful album the bands ever had in the UK. But still it was
2: top twenty. Still
1: it was number thirteen. Yeah. And still we have no idea who they are here in the States. <laughs> Grave mistake. Here we go with Cardiff Afterlife from the album Lifeblood 2004. <laughs> It's kind of weird. You wasn't think it's it? going to
2: fade out? I don't know if that was my fault on.
1: or if that was a song.
2: <laughs> Other than oh, well. that, uh, it's a beautiful song. Uh, the lyric and the chorus just didn't resonate with me as much. I'm you're you're not Welshian. I'm not Welshian, Welshish, Welshian, <laughs> or but Welsh. I think song. it's Welsh. If you take out the vocals, it reminds me of some late eighties REM kind of. Is not new yeah, wave. It's yeah. not rock. It's that in between. It's melodic. Uh, there's not too much synth in there to make it 80s uh, pop, but there were some other bands, James, some other people that are right around mm-hmm. transition between the 80s and the 90s, uh, uh, Church a little bit too. But anyway, so getting into that, it was a beautiful song, is melodic. I haven't listened to the whole album, but if that were one or two songs on a rocking album, you need kind of a, a break on a, a you know big rock album all the hair bands had that power ballad about third song into the album so i could see that but if every song's like that then it might be a little
1: drony. and that's that's the problem with this album for me it's just a little too lifeless it's called Life Blood, but this they should have called it life-less. lifeless blood and i like that song a lot yeah it really is a good song but i just don't feel like it's I mean, it's them going through uh, a period in their in their life. Yeah, they so were, it, it was special to them. as As part of a collection of their music, it's cool. Yeah, but as just a single album, I don't really want to listen to the whole thing. Mm. That's just me.
2: And I, but I'm a fan of some really good melancholy stuff. Like said the the shoegaze stuff. The, well, that was pretty the, shoegazy. Yeah, it was. It was close. It was in that family. Uh, so normally I don't mind that. It
1: just it, didn't have the droney, fuzzy guitars right, that you need with exactly. that. Exactly. To give you get it the a lyrics To edge.
2: just kind of miss my mark. It doesn't mean they're bad lyrics. It just, they didn't resonate with me.
1: Right. So now we're going to fast forward. That was 2004. Fast forward three years. 2007 was when their next release came out. And prior to that, the reason for the, the gap was that they celebrated their 10-year anniversaries of the Holy Bible, which has been touted as one of the greatest albums in the uk oh the yeah. album oh, it's the, the album the, the book's yeah, yeah. been out a while no no the holy bible the album
2: Oh, okay yeah because it's, it's yeah. been out more than 10 years
1: the, the album that richie edwards made famous and then he disappeared okay. after that album so they released the the 10-year anniversary of that was in oh four, and then the 10-year anniversary of the next album everything must go was in oh six. so they did a lot of shows to promote the the 10th anniversary of those albums mm-hmm. because those were two landmark albums for them that got them a lot of success. And so that kept them in the spotlight, but away from releasing a new album. And in 2007, they released an album called Send Away the Tigers. And this is a return for them. They kind of went, didn't know where they were for a little while, I felt like. And now this is them making a statement saying, we're, we're back. Mm-hmm. And this is hard-edged, guitar-driven, but it's a little glammy and poppy in all the right places. Lots of guitars, but yet it's very accessible. This reached number two on the UK albums chart, so it brought them back to where they were in the UK. It almost hit number one, and they were 690, 690 copies away from going number one. Arctic Monkeys beat them out by 690 copies. Why you only call me when you're high? (laughs) That's crazy. Stupid-ass artist monkeys. The fact that they even have those numbers available on the interweb is cool, which means it may be completely false. But you never know. That's what I found out. Pick up the phone and call 50 of your friends like, hey, go buy 10 albums. I'll reimburse you later. Right. So the NME, which is the new musical express. And not enemy. No, no, not the enemy. The N-M-E is the New Musical Express. It's a, like a Rolling Stone in, in the UK. Anyway, they call this the first of their third great phase of a trilogies. So this is the beginning of a trilogy of albums that I think are some of their best ever. So we'll see what you think. I'm going to pick a song called Rendition. This is not one of the singles. It's just a song that Kevin likes. So this is a song I'm going to play.
2: That's why it's our podcast. You play what <laughs> you damn
1: well feel like playing. So here's rendition from Send Away the Tigers in 2007. <laughs>
2: That when they move more towards their rock roots versus the punk roots, had a more heavier guitar sound. I'll, once again, I love that guitar sound. That's that's just a. It's not classic rock. It's just classic hard guitar sound. Not metal, but heavy. This
1: band has some of the best recordings. Yeah, just the Sonics. Yeah, it sounds oh, really professional so, recorded. So good. Yep. Yeah, I especially like the fact that they I don't know if it was intentional, but that was very much Diamond Head Am I Evil, the beginning and the end of that song. Yeah, I was thinking of that. Totally. I don't know, it's probably ripping off classical music as well, but anyway, I'm going to say it's Diamond Head because that makes me feel good. Going back to last week. Right. So yeah, so that's what is considered the start of a trilogy of albums. That whole album, they put a re-release out either last year or the year before. And I got the vinyl. What, it what year was that again? So good. Two thousand seven when that came out.
2: I'm trying to remember. It's hard to remember what other music was going on two thousand seven. Like
1: well, when I hear that, I'm thinking in two thousand seven. If that band, if other Americans would have heard this band mm-hmm. and would have welcomed them over that band would have sounded amazing at a music midtown or a big festival. I know yeah. that's what they play in England, but can you imagine just people just jumping up and down to this music? I mean, it should, uh, uh, cause at
2: this point I was, I had satellite so radio cool. by this point in 2007. So I was getting a lot of newer alt pop, whatever that was on a couple of the channels. Of course, you know, spent a lot of time over on the hair channel and, uh, you know, Aussie boneyard channel, but then they've got a couple of uh, XMU and uh, a couple of the channels for alt rock. In quotation marks, but I, I can't even remember what was playing. I'd have to go back and look it up to see what was playing in 2007 on those two. So
1: emo was kind of done. Yeah. by 2007. Coldplay was indie around, rock. Indie rock was starting to be a thing. Yeah, like the use of that term very loosely. Right. Rock. This was
2: their indie rock channel. Once again, big quotation marks.
1: Yeah, but there were all, there was also a big resurgence at that time of. You know, with the darkness and all those bands, there was a huge resurgence in the early to mid 2000s with just bands that wanted to have fun and rock out. Yeah, they fit in all those categories. God, that was so refreshing when
2: the darkness came out. I was just like, oh god, well, I needed a palate cleanser. It was just exactly what I needed. <laughs> I, I wish they had done more. Obviously, that's kind of they were one and done, as far as I know.
1: But oh god, we need another episode. Yes, because they're still around. Are they still around? I saw them a year ago. They're oh, amazing. I know.
2: That's they the thing. were on the Kiss Cruise last year. They had more than one song. I mean, I'm just saying. All I got was one song. Right. Out
1: of it. All, all the yeah, all the Americans know is the yeah one. Yeah. Well, I saw them last right. year. It was packed. But anyway, Good. we're not talking about the darkness. Yeah. We're talking about Man <laughs> we'll, we'll circle back to that. So we're going to transition. So that was 2007. Now they're kind of picking up the pace a little bit of mm-hmm. their releases again. I think they're they're on a on a path here. They they refound their love of guitar rock. Really, you know, going for what they do. Uh, big anthemic songs and anthemic.
2: yeah, anthemic. Anthemic. Anthemic.
1: anthemic. That's the word I was going for. It depends on where you're came from. Came out completely wrong. If you're
2: from the West Coast, it's anthemic. Yeah,
1: we'll call it anthemic. How anthemic. about that? Anthemic. Anyway, no lith <laughs> The next album that came out is very unique uh, in their overall uh, discography because even when Richie Edwards was in the band, he ever only got partial lyric credit. So, you know, if they had nine songs, you, Nicky Wire would write maybe half of them mm-hmm. or at least three or four. In 2009, this is the album where they took all of the remaining published writings from Richie Edwards, which he left to Nicky Wire... He gave him a folder not long before he disappeared. Mm-hmm. And the folder had contained in it 28 new songs. It had uh, lyrics, haikus, drawings, all sorts of things. And he gave the folder to Nikki Wire, the bass player. Mm-hmm. And he gave a copy of it to James Dean Bradfield, the guitarist. And then a week, month later, he's mm-hmm. missing. So they took this stuff that they had been sitting on and they used the lyrics for completely for the next album. So Journal for Plague Lovers came out in 2009. Amazing rock album, half produced by Steve Albini, or we've talked about him before. Yeah, he's is- he's an American. He... Sounds mostly produced familiar. hardcore. He played in hardcore bands, so he was in Big Black. He was in um, Shellac, and then he produced Nirvana's uh, oh, follow up right. in Utero. Yeah. And then he's he's the guy that mostly records live. Mm-hmm. We played a local band from Atlanta called Spy that Steve yes. Albini produced, and it's all big drums, great guitar sounds, and usually mostly live and to two inch tape. So very old school kind of uh, producer. So it's half done by him and half done by their longtime producer. David. Oringa. Sonically, it's closer to a lot of their 90s arty, punky, post punk, alt rock kind of stuff that they did. Uh, It got to number three in the UK charts. So they're just on a tear. Yeah. You know, they had a number 13. That would not do. They came back, had a number two. Now they're at a number three. Overachievers. We'll see where they go with the rest of these releases. But again, number three in the U.K. We don't know anything about it.
2: And not just for one time. This a is lot. Decades. <laughs> decades of being in the top 10 of U.K. Charts and we hear
1: nothing of it. Just crazy. So I'm going to play another song that was not a single, I believe. This is just a song that Kevin likes. This is called All is Vanity from Journal for Plague Lovers 2009.
0: Delay. The luxury, I'm actually we to one more gonna lie. I'm I'm not one more truth. i not i not
2: sounded like they went back to 90s i mean it could have been exactly candle box right. i can name two or three other bands that had that vocal similar vocals and music and everything else it wasn't as hard edge as the first song you
1: played it mm-hmm. wasn't as edgy let's just say that but it was good it was just yep it, if if you're a fan of the holy bible their album the holy bible not the book yeah. well you could be a fan of the book Either too. Both. You could be it, both. the work yeah. both and if you're a fan of the album before that Uh, Gold Against the Soul, this is in your wheelhouse. I mean, this is them going back to when Richie was alive. So Mm -hmm. honoring him with the style of music that they were playing when he was alive Mm -hmm. and honoring him by using his lyrics. That's pretty cool. Very cool. And a lot of those lyrics on this album, if you read them, they were written during the time when he was kind of in and out of institutions Mm -hmm. dealing with the problems that he had. Yeah, his cutting, all sorts of things. So very interesting. Some of some of the lyrics are about people that he met in those places. Which uh, can be endless stories. Yeah, so it's very, very cool. It's a cool read when you just mm-hmm. read the lyrics. The guy was brilliant with his lyrics. One of my favorite Manix album. I absolutely love it. It's actually, if you're a vinyl collector, it's pretty easy to get in the States. It's on Amazon for a pretty decent price mm-hmm. and easy to grab. Alright, so Ending the trilogy of albums, according to the NME, ending the trilogy of albums is the next one called Postcards from a Young Man, which came out only a year later. And this is album number 10 for them. So it's, you know, a year after this great homage to Richie Edwards, and it's their 10th major full-length release of their career in 2010. So, you know, pretty big uh, milestone for them. And this continued with the trilogy this continued their harder edge big guitar rock that they have and in a pre-release interview i thought this was cool i read this interview with nikki wire he compared it before it came out this is what he was telling people he said this is like aerosmith's pump it's going to be amazing so if send away the tigers was their permanent vacation by aerosmith this is going to be their pump which i was like I, w- I would never have even thought that these guys were into Aerosmith yeah, from the 80s. Spent one minute from <laughs> listening to that. I mean, they were rebelling against everything hip and current yeah. in the 80s, in the late 80s, which is when both of those albums came out from Aerosmith. So it was,
2: now Pump I, was their big.
1: Uh, well, Pump resuscitation was 89. It brought them Permanent back. Permanent Vacation the same. was their big one. Oh, okay. They, so permanent vacation was eighty seven, I believe. That, that was, was the dude, start of the dude P- looks like a lady yeah. angel Ragdoll, and then you had pump the big power ballads. Janie's got a gun, yep. and yeah, and what it Crying. takes, and no, that was the next one. That was ne- okay, but but still
2: on a tangent. Still, I but yeah that was their big have comeback ex- album,
1: if that's what you call it. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. Like, I would never have thought they would use Aerosmith and those particular albums. They they
2: hadn't gone away. You can't have a comeback album if you hadn't gone away.
1: (laughs) It was just an odd reference. So I just thought I'd mention it. But anyway, cool to me. And what kind of ties to that is they started using some, or they started using more outside musicians and singers. And the song that I'm going to play, they actually had Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses. Nice. play bass on it. So Nicky Wire's not playing bass on the song I'm gonna play, it's Duff McKagan. And I think you'll notice right away it's that high register Duff McKagan style bass. Wow. It's very cool to hear that with the Manics. And I know that that the Manics were big fans of Guns N' Roses because their first album is kind of punk rock clash mixed with Guns N' Roses. So it makes sense that they would get back to this. But uh, the other statement they made with this album was this is their last shot At their age and at the time, because it's their 10th album, this is all hype, but they said this is their last shot at mass communication and big radio hits. So this is them not saying they're selling out, but just saying, we're going to make a big album. And so how did it do? It reached number three on the UK album (laughs) charts. Did just as well as the one before it. Didn't
2: have to try as hard.
1: Oh, crazy. If you go look at the album cover, uh, you might notice the guy that's on the album cover. It's a, a pretty famous actor named Tim Roth. I have no idea why Tim Roth is on the album cover, but he is. They might have met him at a <laughs> pub or something. Maybe he's Welsh as well. I should probably look that up, look, but I don't know. There might be
2: some connection there.
1: We need to know. But anyway, that's just some interesting and if points. The, all of the manic fans that are out there, feel free to tell us what that— So all of their fans in the U.K. right now are probably just spitting at us. Yes, they are. We are giving us big middle fingers no. saying, you know no, nothing. They give us you. us two fingers. They give us two fingers? Yeah, that's what they do it over there. Oh, I didn't know this. You didn't know this? No. Yes,
2: because I'm. they're going to absolutely skewer me for this if I get it slightly wrong. But in some of the battles, like the old time when they had the bow and arrow, uh-huh. the archers—
1: Where are you going with this?
2: <laughs> the archers, when they would get captured, they would cut their two fingers off and pull them back the bow. And so as a kind of a sign of defiance, when they would show up in battle, the people that still had their two fingers would hold them up in defiance. And it became the F.U. that we know as flipping the bird. You, over th-
1: okay I, think, I i'm going with you man i
2: think that's it i might right. be completely wrong but i swear there's a version of it we over do there you do have some welsh fingers. listeners so yes. let us know in the uk the two UK, finger bird is because the archers i never still heard had this. their two fingers that hadn't been cut off by the king yet we go f you
1: was this like fingers. a like a late night watching the history channel thing god
2: i wish i knew where this stuff came from <laughs> You have no idea. This stuff pops in. I'm like, what the hell is that? Where did I learn that? I don't know. I have no recollection of where I learned that from. Maybe it was the Mel Gibson movie, uh, where they paint the face <laughs> <Get that out.
1: laughs> the scottish movie yeah the scottish movie what's that braveheart like, it, braveheart, braveheart!
2: Is. yes thank you maybe i learned it from braveheart i don't know
1: <laughs> oh man we are really I'm showing full how of dumb crap we are. sometimes yes yeah, we are we are really showing. we how are completely why don't i why don't, I, how why don't are, I just man. play the song play that an american song. played on yeah okay duff mckagan a billion balconies facing the sun manic street preachers postcards from a young man 2010
2: God, they figured out how to end a song that time.
1: I didn't want it to stop.
2: No, that uh, that was going to be my comment was both of those leads left me wanting more. That's a good sign. That just ripped. I mean, he had the Hammond in the background, just a little bit of Hammond, you know, not too much. The, the production yeah. is just
3: unreal. It's the perfect this amount of rock and roll tambourine.
1: <laughs> this band's production just Baseline. blows my mind. Yeah. Oh, and Duff McKagan, yeah. by the way, just killing it. Just killing it and going up that upper register. Mm-hmm. You know it's him when you hear that little bit of distortion in the upper register. That is what, for me, that is what just I love about rock yeah. music. That song has it all.
2: And that's a good example to play for somebody if they've never heard the band. Like, start off with sure.
1: that one. And this is them in their 40s. You know, these are, these are guys, they've been doing this for a long time. You can just shit tell. shit in their 40s. Wait, never mind. I'm just, what <laughs> I'm trying to say <laughs> is you can just tell that they are so passionate about what they do. Yeah. They're not phoning this in.
2: No, no, these guys were still killing it. I mean, they, they still had the energy that 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds had when you're just starting to play and you got everything to say.
1: And I get pissed off thinking about the fact that I've never seen this band live because I can't, right? Unless I were to go over there, they get have a plane ticket, over here. And go when, over there. I mean,
2: when was the last time they were here? You think?
1: Maybe, maybe '96. 96? I don't know if they came in the late '90s or not.
2: But God, yeah, if they could have gotten
1: on the, the since list, I've been listening to big them, festivals here, they have not been anywhere near me. No, at least no, they have. And been that was '98. I mean, I should have long time ago, I should have made the trek and gone over and done a little crusade and followed the band around, but I haven't.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Says the guy with zero responsibility except for a dog. You can go do whatever you want. (laughs) Yeah, I just need a dog sitter. Give me like 30 minutes to arrange a dog sitter. I'm out of here.
1: All right, so they toured on that album, and they should have. They should tour the hell out of that album because it was brilliant the, that trilogy of albums yeah. if you're new to this band go listen to send away the tigers postcards for a young man and listen to journal for plague lovers it's kind of hard to say is, journal is, yeah. for plague lovers journal those three albums. If you're a plague lover this is the journal for you these three albums fantastic you cannot top it from this band they were just firing in all cylinders and then they took a little bit of a break, so well deserved. They just well had deserved. three
2: albums in the top ten.
1: They also, I think, figured out that we don't want to keep doing the same thing and over, over and over. We're not ACDC, you know. We're, <laughs> that's not who we are. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No, no, not at all. They, but they knew what they did. They're well. a different band. They've, yeah. you know, they've stretched and and done different things throughout their career. So they pulled back in 2013. They released an album called Rewind the Film. And what they did was they actually recorded two albums at the same time. So in tandem, they were recording this album, which is primarily an acoustic album. It has some electric guitar on it, but it's primarily them just stripping down and just doing up an acoustic album. They also recorded the next album we're going to talk about, which is them getting almost kraut rocky. We'll talk about that Ooh. in a few minutes, but them really stretching. So the recording these in tandem, I don't really know how it worked, but this one came out in 2013, and then a year later, less than a year later, the next album comes out. So we're going to play from this album, Rewind the Film. It's album number 11 from them. Pretty melancholic, acoustic kind of music. Not my favorite, but I still like it. Mm. It's not kind of as dirgy as, as the first one we played from Lifeblood. I was trying to think of the name of it. It's not as dirgy as Lifeblood from 2004, mm. but it's, it's definitely mellow, but it's still really good. And it reached number four on the U.K. charts.
2: They're consistent.
1: Well, they were number threes, so they, yeah, they should really they should really try harder. We'll see what they do with the next one. Okay. Number four. Come on, crossed. guys. What are you thinking? Get off your ass. All right, so I think I played the last song on the, the other Melancholy album. I'm going to do the same thing here. I'm going to play the last song on this album, which is called 30 Year War. They call that an outro. It's the last song. Yes. Uh, the last dance. Correct couple skate rewind the film 2013 30 year war enjoy
2: Wow, there was a lot going on in that song. but just it Just a cool song. it wasn't at all too proggy or experimental or self-indulgent at all. There was just so many little nuances in there. Little, I'm glad we fixed
1: our headphones so we can listen in stereo. <laughs> yeah, I guess we should talk about that. <laughs> I don't think we've talked about that. So we listened to about 40 episodes in mono. Yeah. Just because...
2: We didn't know that we yeah, could hook it up in stereo. We didn't we're not that smart it. sometimes. Oh, God. oh boy!
1: Oh well. But I hope they've enjoyed listening to it in stereo. Please like, keep listening. We, like, you were getting it in stereo. Yeah, we were, we not, were as not. We were listening. Yes. So uh, certain songs that Robert may have heard for the first time, he may I was have hearing it right. one ear. Yes.
2: Half the guitar solo, maybe. But that he, song, he didn't I, hear
1: him right. He heard him left. I heard him left. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I heard everything in that song, and God, i go. I mean, it. Had the feeling of It was the last song on a concept album Not just a last song on an album But it it was like wrapping up some loose ends On that concept Whatever they were talking about And just kind of not too upbeat But like they had gone through some really heavy stuff But yet at the end of it you know everything's gonna be all right. We're gonna work through this. So it didn't. I had to listen a couple more times to pick up the lyrics and mm-hmm. understand what they're talking about. But just based on the music alone, that was the image I was getting in my head.
1: Yeah, it's a definite. This is the end of the album. Yeah, this is the end of this chapter or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you can hear that in the in the tune itself you can just feel it that this is the end of something almost um cinematic Mm -hmm. in a way
2: exactly like when the credits start rolling Mm -hmm. at the end
1: and well it's it's funny because the name of the album is rewind the film rewind the film so perfect it's a really good album like i said it's i'm surprised that i liked it as much as i did because typically you know i'm that guy that likes the heavier stuff yeah especially when a band can be heavy if they go light on me i don't typically Tend to like it. I've you know put my nose up, but
2: this is a it's a really good album. It's and it's great. I love the hard stuff too, but then I gravitate towards not just what we talked about before the shoegaze stuff, but Pink Floyd, my favorite band, and the, some of those melodic, easygoing stuff on some of their albums. is real mm. the most chill music you can think of. You like textures? And yeah, this, I like this textures. band has and a layers. ton of textures. Yeah, but then I go yeah. back to the extreme and like Motorhead. Right, their <laughs> texture is about sixty grit sandpaper. Yeah, that's what I like. But well, it just depends on the mood.
1: There's Exactly. There's lots of different moods and lots of different yeah. feelings, and you can't be pigeonholed into one thing right. all the time. So anyway, the the reason I played that is it sort of—that's the end of that album. is them making a statement that you're going to get something else. And that almost bridged what they did early in that album, which was really acoustic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I could have played a song that was just very mellow and acoustic guitar and not a lot of other things. That song had a lot of extra texture to it and a lot of added things and had that sort of dancey electronic drum piece in it as well. So where they moved next was an album called Futurology, and it came out in 2014, so less than a year after Rewind the Film. They would consider Rewind the Film gentle and delicate, and Futurology they would consider icy, multi-layered, and angular. And it was them embracing, because they recorded in Germany— and we talked about Germany a few weeks ago, and it was them embracing that German krautrock, electronic, kind of them doing their Bowie thing, right? Mm-hmm. So Bowie had a trilogy of albums in the late 70s called the Berlin Trilogy, where it was Bowie embracing all the stuff that would, as Bowie did, he was prophesizing what was to come with mm-hmm. New Wave and everything else. So this is them kind of embracing that same thing. And they put out this album called Futurology, which is very different from anything they've done. It still has guitars in it, but it's it's definitely like a you could almost say kraut rock slash. It's just very European, mm. like if you went to a European disco, this is the music you would hear. You know, but it's not neither tonight we dance. It, it's not <laughs> elect, so much electronic, like right. it's you know it's not old school rave or anything like that. But it's rock music, but done with a dance edge. I guess you could say. I don't know. We'll see what you think. So, taking a, a very different approach to music. Only less than a year after their number, what did I say, number four? four? Yeah. Number four album. They so where slipped. do you think this one landed? Four. Nope, they're back at number two.
0: Back at two, all right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> number Woo. two on the UK albums chart, and they haven't been there s- of maybe bitch. four albums before. So Who beat them out? Highest charting album since 2007, uh, Send Away the Tigers. So uh, amazing. And it also, if you look at the charts, how it did, it did really well in the in the... European Union. Mm. So in the EU, this thing was just all over. I think every European country had this album, you know, in their charts. Yeah. And once again, where were we? And And what were we listening to in 2014? When I I look at those, I don't see the U.S. anywhere. No. What were we listening to in 2014? I I don't know. Pure crap, I'm I'm pretty sure. I was was listening to Motorhead in (laughs) 2014. That's what I was listening (laughs) to. We were keeping
2: it real. Yeah. Going old school. Yeah.
1: I I think I stole your iPod about then. Yeah.
2: Started listening to everything on there.
1: Could have been cool if they would have brought this over here. But, you know, this, this never would have worked in the U.S. We're just not sophisticated enough to accept the brilliance of the Manic Street Preacher. So that's, that's what I'm going to say. That's my excuse. We're too dumb for it. We are definitely not sophisticated, that's for sure. Yeah. We have Cardi B oh, at the top of the charts. Oh, come geez.
2: on, oh, come on.
1: Okay. So I'm going to play a song called, and it's a little tongue-in-cheek, this song. I'm just going to say, you you got to be prepared for everything I just told you about what, what they were doing with this album. It's a little tongue-in-cheek. This is called Sex, Power, Love, and Money off Futurology 2014
2: Of abruptly ending songs, <laughs> yes, it does. but I can't believe that's the same band. Other than the know, song right? just stopping, but God, but still, yeah. If awesome. you had to, it's one of the things. If you had to pick one band to listen to, this would be one of those bands because each album sounds completely different. So, well, not completely, but a lot of variation between albums.
1: So I'm going to go out there a little bit. Yeah, but maybe the reason I like this band so much is they remind me, methodically at least, of Rush. In that, in that they continue to morph throughout their career, yet they still maintain the essence of who they are. Mm -hmm. But they have varying albums and collections of periods of albums that can be put together. It's
2: absolutely an evolution when it comes to, to Rush. Obviously, you get the power trio to the synth days and things like that. The songs got even more grandiose. But this band, this particular song, you're going to appreciate this. At the very beginning, when he was speaking and not really singing kind of reminded me of a particular uh, Ace Fraley, because he didn't really sing. Nice. (laughs) He was not known as... Ace has a new album coming out. (laughs) Okay. Hey, Mr. Fraley. It's a covers album. but We'll get him on the show. He's not doing much right now. We should call him up. Call him up. Just call him up. Ace, man. No, but that kind of had that, you know, I'm not going to sing right now, but I'm going to shout this out. and Everybody shouts it back to thing, but I liked it.
1: Yeah, I got a real vibe of You could tell again that, remember, these guys are big Clash fans. Mm -hmm. And I got a real vibe of that late Clash, combat rock era Clash, Mm -hmm. as well as what they did afterwards with Big Audio Dynamite. Mm -hmm. To me, this was kind of right in that wheelhouse of, you know, these guys are big Clash fans. I can sort of see maybe they were trying to capture some of that Sandinista, combat rock kind of
2: Clash. Because it was borderline dance Rock totally. I mean, totally. big auto dynamite definitely was, but it uh, yeah. was uh, them like, going like the to Jamaica.
1: Box? It was them going to Jamaica and like trying to be clash in Jamaica. Is that it? That's where that's where that all came from. Okay, so I, I can sort of see that here, but I could be completely wrong. Who knows? That's just what my ears are hearing. All right, I have one more song for you. All right, and that's unfortunate Ooh. because I heard that we're getting a new Manix album in 2021 I was hoping we might have a new single by now but we do not no not yet so definitely not a tour right to be now. continued again perhaps <laughs> yeah definitely not a tour but we have one more album to talk about this is an album that came out in 2018 and so it's their last release to date and let's see how did it do I mean my god there they have so many albums they've done so well yeah they're probably on the decline, right? Oh, they can't possibly they can't, top number can't 2. Keep, they can't. No, but there's
2: they not a, there's none more higher than 2, right?
1: Well, unless you're in Scotland, this went number 1 in Scotland. What? Yeah. Finally, damn it. Scotland and New Zealand, this went number 1, but it did chart number 2 the in Scots. the UK charts. Okay, number well. 2 in the UK charts. In 2018, this band is still kicking ass in the UK.
2: God, their record company has to love these guys because they even though they didn't get 1, they can still predict okay, they're going to put out an album. It's going to get to number three and number two. We're going to make this much money. I can plan my vacation next year in the Maldives. You know, they just know how much money they're going to have from year to year.
1: Well, and this is the first album they renegotiated. They went to a different record company mm-hmm. with this album. So like, We're going they we all you those big We'll get hits. to number two. <laughs> they had all those big hits with Sony, uh-huh. which means we may get in trouble for playing these songs, but yeah, they had you. all these big hits with Sony. And then they, they actually did for their last album. They, they jumped ship and went somewhere else. They still had a number two, <laughs> so it wasn't Sony's doing. Mm-hmm. And the sound on this one is—it's really them embracing everything that they've done. Mm. This is a an interesting album. I actually love it. It's—it feels to me I almost felt like as I was listening to like, oh crap, is this is this their it's last like album? Because it, it felt like th- it was just kind of tying up all the loose ends mm. and them doing everything that they do. But like I said, we we're getting a new album in 2021, so I hear. But this album really sits somewhere between the very first album in 91 and that big Britpop mid-90s, late-90s success that they Mm had. So it's them marrying those two things together. Another brilliant album, in in my opinion. Another tour that we missed. (laughs) Son of a... Damn it. So I guess I will have to make a a journey over to the UK at some point in my life if I want to see this band, apparently. I'm going to play a song called Broken Algorithms. That's fitting for today,
2: yes.
1: (laughs) It's very fitting, the song title. From 2018's Resistance is Futile.
0: somehow me
2: At the beginning, his vocals were kind of channeling a little bit of Bruce Dickinson. Hmm. If you go back and listen to that, but he didn't get up into the uh, stratosphere, the upper register, but still the and the lower register when he's just getting warmed up, it sounds like that. The drummer was definitely getting his money's worth out of those toms. (laughs) uh,
3: God, we haven't really mentioned
1: we haven't really mentioned Sean Moore, but he has a unique drumming style. Yeah, almost so, and and I don't mean this as as a slight in any way, but. The way that he plays the toms almost sounds like a beginner.
2: Yeah, because he's putting a lot into it.
1: You know what I mean? That would be the first thing I would Very staccato, like the way that you learn, when you first start playing drums, and I know this because I've done it, but you really concentrate on doing that, going running down the toms and really making sure that every hit counts. And that's sort of how he plays. There's not a lot of ghost notes. It's
2: normally a fill
1: that he played the entire song. Right, and, he, and just, he does that on a lot of songs. Yeah. But it's... I, and I don't mean that... No, I'm I don't sure, mean that in it, a negative way. Right. I just, that's just how it comes across, is he's really making sure that every hit is the same dynamic versus precise. having some ghost he's notes in there. He's an efficient drummer. <laughs> he's just interesting. He's got his own unique style, for sure. Um, but I, the, when it came to the lyrics, though, the I, I'm sure he
2: wrote Broken Algorithm as a lyric before there was music, and it sounded like... It, I got to squeeze this in somehow and it's not it an easy felt, word. It did feel a little squeezed in there. Yeah. yeah, so I think that's one of the downsides when you come up with something really clever and interesting sometimes it doesn't blend into the
1: song well. But again sonically Sonic, I mean of course. oh my yeah. god it just sounds so good. Their recordings are top notch. I don't know of anyone doing better than they do. And I'm going to draw another parallel which you may go this makes no sense but sonically what they deliver to me, and I was just listening today to some old Peter Gabriel, and sonically what they're giving you in, in your headphones mm-hmm. is exactly what Peter Gabriel used to do in his solo releases mm-hmm. in the 80s where it's just ear candy. He the, puts the so much into each song. Yeah, The layers. way that's mixed and the, ra- the way that there are just layers yeah. upon layers of sounds and you, you hear something different every time you hear it, mm-hmm. that's exactly what these guys do. And I love it. They just do such a brilliant job of it. So to me, that song in, in this album, Resistance is Futile, is, is a bit of a bookend, like I said. So I'm curious to see what's going to come next for them. But
2: Which, I mean, they've gone every direction. They've gone simple, pared down, big sounds, dance. I mean, it's going to be
1: polka music next? I don't know. I don't know. But I guarantee you this. Oh, guarantee. No one around us will know that it's going on. Nobody will know that Manic Street Preachers are releasing a new album in 2021. It's
2: it's like wetting your pants wearing dark jeans. Gives you a warm feeling and nobody else knows about it.
1: You know, maybe because of that, (laughs) that was gross. Maybe because of that, we when this album does come out... Maybe we should have a party. We're going to have a listening party. Have we're going to do an party. episode and do a listening party. Oh, that's genius. I like the way you think. So mark that down. Whenever Apparently that... two beers is when your brain really starts kicking in. I've had a hell of a day. <laughs> Cocaine is a hell of a drug Four beers? I don't know But two beers, your brain is rocking and rolling, man There we go Well, man, that's all I have for you I just want to say one more time Manic Street Preachers, amazing band Yes, I know that I'm totally into them So I'm completely biased as I usually am What are your thoughts? Should they, thinking as just a normal American Mm -hmm. who listens to the radio and who likes rock music, why the hell do we not know who this band is?
2: Their songs tend to be more complex. I mean, All-American Trilogy, which was the closest thing they had to an American hit, even though, once again, never got radio play. But it was during that sound. It was a complicated song. It wasn't poppy enough to be on terrestrial radio, and terrestrial writers sucked it by then horribly but even satellite radio they were playing you know stroke stripes high vines still in the mid 2000s that they didn't sound exactly like that and they didn't sound like oasis and maybe it was just that category was so full of those british pop rock artists all whatever you want to call it that maybe there was just no room for them to squeeze in because they their songs were like i said not their early just You know raw punkish sounding songs But even those They were a little more complex There was always a couple of more twists In the structure of those songs That some damn record exec somewhere More than once Probably went Eh What about that other band? Hmm. And you know Who knows? I'm speculating Because I have no science To back that up on But still I think that they're a good band They're technically really good Talent wise Maybe the British musical tastes Are more refined than ours And they You think? Yeah you think? (laughs) Sorry I said maybe (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to get too much hate mail, but, you know, maybe they are used to more complex songs. I mean, good God, you list off all the British rock bands that are like Queen, for instance. I mean, just very complex songs. They're not just 4-4, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Uh, So who knows?
1: I'm going to file it under malarkey Malarkey and Baloney. Malarkey and Baloney. Later.